All right, okay. so we'll, we'll get started. Yeah, so um, yeah, last week uh, Panda and I discussed, except all we discussed was the conclusion to Volume One and three appendices, and uh, there there really wasn't too much to discuss because there there wasn't really any uh, addition to the history of the Russian Revolution. It was just kind of like like background reading on like earlier Russian history or things that were contemporary to Trotsky in 1930, uh, like people commenting on his book and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it, it didn't really make for a good recording to, to put out, really. They were especially Twitter threats. Yeah. So we just we just didn't. Um, it's this week around, we've got very important section of 1917 to talk about. Uh, but before that, there is the introduction to Volumes 2 and 3, which, incidentally, Trotsky winds up addressing some of the things that Panda and I were talking about in this unpublished recording, so that's that's kind of helpful. But we kind of poked fun at Trotsky for like defending himself so much in, in these writings. And in the introduction, he kind of is like, look, this is why I'm defending myself, okay? <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm politically under attack by people right now, and they're attacking me, which means they're attacking uh, what I did in the past. So I'm defending what I did in the past because I'm under current political attack, is, is basically his argument. He's a little more uh, uh, elegant in his argument than that, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the gist of it, I would say. Xavier, you don't have, you don't mean better if they actually out to get you kind of moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but after that introduction, we talk about the July days. So where we had just left off was the June demonstration where the Soviet Executive Committee called for a demonstration to kind of prove to the Bolsheviks, hey, everybody is actually on our side. And then when the demonstration came out, uh, yeah, it turns out all the workers and soldiers were carrying Bolshevik slogans and placards and things like that. So that kind of scared the shit out of the, the Soviet executive committee. And after the soldiers and workers saw that they had this overwhelming majority, they basically have the idea, it's like, okay, why don't we just take things over now? Because we're clearly the majority and we're we're all on our side and let's let's go ahead and implement all power to the Soviets right now because clearly we have the majority to do that, right? Yeah, and... yeah, that that's what they thought. That's at least what they thought. It it didn't exactly work out that way, but it it seemed like a good idea at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and like it was it was interesting basically through the chapters, you know, or, or the the first chapter uh the soldiers in particular are the ones chomping at the bit to to demonstrate to demand all power to the Soviets. I think Trotsky calls it a half insurrection to be contrasted with the quarter insurrection in April. Um but yeah, the soldiers are chomping at the bit to demonstrate and do this kind of half-insurrection because they're constantly under threat of being sent to the front. The compromisers are constantly trying to like disband revolutionary battalions, like send them away from Petrograd somewhere else, just kind of like break them apart and reform them into other groups. 
They're doing anything they can to scatter the revolutionary soldiers of Petrograd, basically. So the soldiers are like, nah, we need to get this demand for all the power to the Soviets right now because they're trying to tear us apart. And if we just sit here and wait, then they're, they're going to be successful. You know, eventually they will manage to disassemble, put everybody up to the front, etc., etc. So if they just sit on their hands, they feel like that they're, they're going to lose. So they go down to the Bolsheviks and they're like, what up? Let's let's do this thing. Like let's let's go arms in hand and force the Soviets to take the power. And the Bolsheviks are like, whoa, no, we can't actually do that. Uh, because right now the Soviet is still majority. The executive committee of the Soviet is still a majority of people who do not want the power. You can't give them the power if they don't want it. They're not gonna take it. Uh, I think Trotsky kind of crudely mentions that it's an act of political rape where they're trying to force the power on somebody who does not want it. Um, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Nothing ever said that you ever written, Trotsky. Not that one, Chief. Yeah, I thought that was a little crude. Um... But but that is the situation where they're they're trying to the soldiers and workers are trying to force power onto people who do not want it, and it, it leads to comical things basically. Where once the I'm skipping ahead, but once the demonstration actually does break out and they're outside of the Soviet headquarters demanding that the Soviets take the power, the executive committee is trying to get troops to come break up the demonstrators in order to defend the Soviet. And it's like, wait a minute, your your supporters are outside there trying to get you to take the power. What do you mean defend you? So it's it's, it's a little amusing in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it's because the uh, the people behind the institution, but the people in charge of the institution are kind of, you know, not the people who would want to be, you know, lead an institution that actually governs the place. It's 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 more comedic. It would be really funny if it would lead to a lot of bad shit to a lot of people. If not, it would be really fucking funny. Yeah, I think Trotsky makes a couple of ironical remarks like that. Where I don't know, there's just a whole bunch. Like it's it's just an absurd situation, right? Because you have an institution that so desperately does not want the power that it considers being given the power to be a threat to its existence when I, I don't know it's it's pretty crazy but but this is why the the bolsheviks are like look we we can't do this demonstration just yet or or this insurrection or whatever we we can't do this because we the soviet doesn't want the power so basically the process that needs to happen is that first you got to win the workers and soldiers the masses onto your side to say okay yeah we need the soviet to have the power and then they have to elect and get, they have to win the Soviet over to the position next, basically. And they are slowly starting to do that. I say slowly, but I mean, it's within the course of less than a year, you know? Like, the Bolsheviks at the lower levels of the Petrograd Soviet have already, I think by this point, Trotsky mentions, they have a two-thirds majority. It's just a matter of being able to get positions on the executive committee of the Soviet. So... Uh, the the workers and peasants are are kind of Trotsky mentions that through their revolutionary experience they've learned that they can cut through 
kind of governmental slowness and bureaucracy just by taking mass action on the street. They're like, look, we, we didn't depose the czar by a vote. We went out there on the street and overthrew the guy, you know? We didn't uh, seize the eight-hour day by asking for it and going through protracted union negotiations. We just went on strike and forced them to give it to us, you know? So they're, they're having the same logic here where they're like, look, the Soviet needs to take the power, so we're just going to get out here and give the Soviet the power. Uh, but the Soviet didn't want the power, so you do kind of actually have to wait for a slower political process to take place, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, uh, like, you just mentioned us, uh, like, something that's really on the also also perfected, like, uh, the, the world, oh, yeah, the Bolsheviks are climbing up slowly into the ranks, trying to, to get out of the Soviet. We have to remember that this is like you, you like, I, yeah, yeah, I started in February, and like, they already have grown that much to have a true transformative of a relatively lower level of, of the government, but if they have a power of time, like, you, you know how many political parties would give for that kind of electoral success, like, it's really fucking for audience on, on level that, and uh, probably the Bolsheviks are perhaps the best documented exa historical example of a political pa artist only growing in like a hundred times more, right? Like, it's, it's really fucking important to think, oh yeah, the uh, Bolsheviks is, if you want to look it as a certain way, I think like it's the most successful political party of that. At times, you measure yourself how quickly the girl from uh, literally nothing to, you know, of playing the channel of the country. It's, it, a lot of the, the a lot of history has a lot of really fucking funny shit like that when you really think about it. And yeah, and this just adds more of the authority of the Russian Revolution. Yeah, and I think it's, like, important, too, like, the, the Bolsheviks were, during the war years, like, almost basically illegal, too, you know? Like, not, not explicitly, but, like, they had a very difficult time organizing, so, like, they were very underground, they were very few in number, so they almost, like, grew in popularity so fast that, like, all of the original members of the Bolsheviks, like, pre-1917 were elected to whatever positions were available and then it's like there weren't any more left so it's like they had to recruit in mass just to like you know fill elected positions let alone like rank and file bolsheviks you know what i mean yeah 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 no i know like they literally didn't have the people to staff a government. Like they didn't have enough people to do it. Like just straight up, there weren't enough members of the Bolshevik Party to do it. They had to <laughs> recruit from the working class, which I mean, you know, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's kind of the ideal problem for a political party to have, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of my favorite statistics from the Russian Revolution is the fact that. Uh, I th yeah, it's 19 out of 20 Bolsheviks in October of 1917 had not been members of the Bolshevik Party before 1917. So, like, they blew up in popularity, and, you know, they needed to accept all these people in there just so they could have enough people to run a state, basically.
Sorry, don't the words that you say that the Russian Revolution made the Bolsheviks go viral? Uh, yes, that is exa- it, Lenin is the ultimate influencer, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Lenin yeah, is the too. original meme lord influencer. Oh boy, uh, that that's that's what we need to do a TikTok uh, Russian Revolution challenge. Let's let's go viral with us. Let's see if anybody can uh, you know get more revolutions in their country. I don't know, whatever, something like that. You know. Uh, the the fact that you say that so awkwardly with such little conviction somehow makes it fucking funny. I don't know how. Oh, it's because I'm a boomer with a flip phone talking about like viral TikTok videos or something, you know? I think it's the combination that you're such a boomer, but we're also talking about, oh, you know, something from a hundred years ago that's even older, and uh, you say that out of this makes you sound extra out of touch. I, I think that's, I think that's the magic ingredient, man. <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, Let's get us back on deck. Get us back on deck. There we go. Reel it in. Reel it in. So yeah. So that's so the Bolshevik response to all of these soldiers wanting to go out with an armed demonstration, half insurrection, demand all power to the Soviets. They're like, no, we can't do this. Uh, this is, this is a bad move. The Bolsheviks are trying their best to restrain everybody, uh, but the soldiers are frankly just not having it. And uh, they're going to go ahead with or without the Bolsheviks, basically. And the Bolsheviks are faced with a choice. They're like, okay, we can let this demonstration proceed on its own without us, uh, because it will. Or we can join them and do our best at the head of this demonstration, because they recognize us as their leaders. We can join this demonstration at the head and do our best to try to calm it down. I think at one point Trotsky mentions, he's like, okay, let's do this, but is there any way that we can make the demonstration an unarmed demonstration at the very least? And that wasn't even on the table either. And that turns out to be a very good thing because they wound up getting all shot up anyway, so they kind of needed to have weapons in the first place. Kind of of a dumb suggestion for Trotsky, but it's kind of classic Trotsky wanting to be unarmed instead of armed but anyway yeah like i i'm honestly i'm honestly surprised that Trotsky wrote down that he's he suggested that uh, because it doesn't really make him look good when at the very next chapter i mentioned how oh yeah uh at the arts were absolutely necessary and it would have been really bad if they didn't have arms doesn't really make him look good. I, I had to give him credit. I would have having credit that shit. Yeah, I think it, it speaks to Trotsky's character more generally. He's he's kind of like a Tolstoyan kind of guy. I, I once we get to the to the Brest-Litovsk Treaty in particular, like basically he his position on the Brest-Litovsk Treaty is like let's not make a treaty with Germany. Let's let Germany attack us and the German proletariat will see how terrible this is and then they will come to our rescue. He always kind of wanted to take that moral high ground. He he tried to do it on a practical basis, but ultimately I do think it was a little bit of moral grandstanding. So like, I think it's very consistent with his character. He has a practical aspect to him, 
but I think it is a little bit subsumed to this this idea of just like being a the better person, so to speak. Not that that, which is the kind of point that it doesn't necessarily get win you the goods all the time. You know, sometimes it's good and useful or whatever, but not all the time. So I would say that a jockey is essentially a bamba. A what? You, you don't know. Oh, how of Call Obama and I think maybe what the general Obama actually would, would say hey, like 2050 it was something that and when they go alone we go okay like like we don't take the a uh, uh, circles we, we take the uh, the more higher than all of that I was trying to make a reference that I expected you to get as the American I'm not sure how I, the episode Wizard of America, and uh, what I just said, and I just don't. Okay, I guess I can see it from that perspective. Um, yeah, a, a little bit. I don't know. It's it's slightly more complicated than that with, with Trotsky, because he does do some other things. Um, like, obviously, he was the the leader of the Red Army at one point, and he was fine with, like, crushing the Kronstadt revolt. So that's, like, a whole... That's very not Tolstoyan kind of behavior, but it, it, so it's a little more complicated than that. But um, he does when he's given the opportunity to. I think he definitely will take the option of trying to be the 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 peacemaker, kind of the moral high ground kind of guy. That's why he ended up losing. Yeah, I mean, pretty much actually. Like, I I don't disagree. I think that's what, exactly why he lost. Um, he he had a lot of upper. Yeah, okay, we're gonna go way off topic if we do that. <laughs> All right, sorry. So anyway, so the Bolsheviks are like, look, we can't let this demonstration go ahead without us. We're gonna join in. We're just gonna try to keep it under control. And so day one of the demonstration is mostly the soldiers at the lead, and they're just more or less going around and rousing all of the working class districts. They're they're going down to the Soviet headquarters. They're getting instructions from the um from the Bolshevik headquarters as well. They're they're getting everybody together for this for this thing basically. Uh, day two is when it really kicks off. Where I mean, like everybody was in the street on day one. Don't get me wrong, but they they had to get everybody together and get everybody on the same page. But day two is where everybody's on the same page. They're like, all right, we're going to the Soviet headquarters. We're we're going to demand that they take all power, right? So during the various marches and stuff, they are kind of shot up uh, here and there. It's just kind of like little scuffles. It's not really any any major engagements um, because the Soviet headquarters is aware of the demonstration and they're kind of freaking out, losing their minds, and they are calling for troops from the front, reliable brigades, whatever they can find, any troops loyal to them, which is an ironic thing to say again. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're looking for people to disperse this demonstration, basically. And they, they get a couple here and there. They get like officers and police officers and, uh, the Cossacks and things like that, but nothing on a mass scale. So they're, they're kind of like, Trotsky remarks that the official powers are now using guerrilla tactics where the insurrectionaries are now the ones marching in the street, kind of taking control of everything. So it's kind of an interesting role reversal there. Yeah, but but they make it to the Soviet headquarters, and a couple of amusing scenes happen. Uh, I, Trotsky mentioned specifically that one worker, and this is pretty famous, 
he he shouts up to uh, the name escapes Chernov. That's the guy. He's he's one of the uh, Soviet executive committee official minister guys, and he's like one of the soldiers or peasants shouts up to Chernov. He's like, "Look, take the power, you son of a bitch, when we're giving it to you." He's he's like so frustrated. He's like, "Why won't you take the power? You know, we're trying to give it to you, but they do not want it." And so, I mean, there's there's nothing you can do about that from the perspective of the soldiers and the workers. You can't make somebody take the power. That's something you have to want to do. So, so all of their efforts are, are frustrated. The Bolsheviks have to finally disperse the thing. They're like, all right, well, that, see, we, we kind of mentioned this would happen. Uh, let's all go on back now and think about this. And that is when the Soviet executive committee people have started to manufacture uh, false documents and things like that to the effect that the uh, Lenin in particular is a German agent. Uh, this is where this one starts to really blow up. They, they show it to some of the soldiers that decided not to come out. They were remaining neutral. And they're like, oh, okay, we need to, you know, put down these Bolsheviks because these are German agents. These guys have proof of that now. And, you know, they're not good at knowing if a document is counterfeit or not. Who who has that skill, you know? Um, so they go out and they, they kind of start suppressing any, any stragglers trying to disperse from the general movement. Um, some some uh, divisions from the front wind up coming back for the same reason. They're, they're looking to put down German spies, German agents, things like that. And something important that happens there is that the executive committee of the Soviet has now managed to block off communications between the workers and the soldiers. They're now kind of wedging the Cossacks and the officers between the soldiers and workers so that they can't communicate. And, you know, the, the soldiers coming from the front can't talk to the workers and the workers just be like, yo, we, we, were, we were doing this, not German agents. Don't don't shoot. You're shooting workers, you know. I feel like I've talked a lot. Is there anything you want to add to any of the... No, 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 no. Oh, well, I think uh, for, for more important on something like this, and all that, I think it's better that you will have read this more times and all of that, and, uh, you know, who also have a easier time of the English language. I think it's better that you relay most of the important information on that. Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of that art apart from your recap and all that. Like, you know, it's it, 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 it kind of only like, I, like we mentioned, a lot of this it sounds like a fucking comedy with how much things are played out in a absurd way and all of that, but the, the result is. Basically, it's always the Soviet reality coming back, like that, oh yeah, uh, when, when all of this dumb, unsilly stuff of itself over, yet at the government, the people in power, the ones who are basically acting as the, the truth of the bureaucracy, they end up, you know, uh, releasing the, the forces of reaction, the armed forces of reaction about the Soldiers and their cracking calls, their taking lives without that, and yeah, I, it's like we, we can laugh at all the absurd 
آرچیت الاتا فسا آرچیت کپلسد ایتیش فانی بود الا دیادا تیدهی ای ته ته اوشای بودوی اوشون اون ایفی ای کمیکالا کومدی ای ساتیاشی کومدی بکنس تایز شوستف با اوچ آر میبی میلی تایز انسان باچ فاوی بود تاپسته Yeah, it's one of those uh, if you don't laugh, you cry kind of thing, so he may as well just laugh. Yeah. Well, let's see. Some other things kind of going on in the background during this chapter, because uh, that's that's the big events, basically, is there's a big demonstration in Petrograd. It failed in its goals, and it kind of demoralized the workers' soldiers, and the the full-on repression against the Bolsheviks starts from, from here forward until they come out to power, basically. That's kind of the big events of this chapter. In the background, though, there is some things going on in Finland and some stuff happening in Kronstadt as well. So in Kronstadt, these guys are like super far tip of the spear revolutionary. So they're like, look, let's send some battleships and stuff. Maybe they weren't battleships. I think it was a destroyer. I don't know. They, they send some ships down to Petrograd. They're like, look, let's get on down there and we're going to, you know, uh, support this revolutionary uh, manifestation. You got some folk from the Baltic fleet doing the same thing. And, of course, it takes some time to get there. And so by the time they get there, everything's already been repressed. And they get off their ship, and uh, they basically find themselves arrested for <laughs> wanting to come down to support the Soviet. Uh, getting arrested by the Soviet. Again, one of those absurdities. And you have uh, a similar thing happening up in uh, Finland uh, with, the, with the Finnish Soviet going on, uh, where the Finnish Soviet is more advanced than the Russian one. And they're like, look, uh, all power to the Soviets. Let's do this, you know? And so they kind of get screwed out of that deal, too, uh, for the same reason, because they send some folk in, and uh turns out not all the Soviets were on the same page. Yeah, like, you know, I thought for it, I was like, I should also imagine myself as for a moment as one of the people that a Finnish Soviet, like, should give it a, a lot of time that, uh, uh, you know, of that. At the Petroleum Soviet and the Security Committee, he rejected the war and power to the Soviets. And I just think it, and I just imagine thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on over there? Like, from this perspective, if I, I can't even imagine what I must be thinking. It, like, I, it's just a, I will, what the fuck are you doing? It's, it's even worse than that when you know what happens right afterwards. So the situation in Finland, like, like we just said, the, the Soviets there are in favor of all power to the Soviets. And because they're so far ahead, they get uh, repressed, basically. Like, they, they've, they've jumped too far past the rest of the country, and they, they get soldiers sent in, and... Uh, like near towards the end of 1917 into 1918, they get soldiers sent in, and they're kind of, the, the Soviet basically loses control of Finland. But like briefly, you know what I mean? Like they've just lost control. They're kind of still in a struggle with the White Army, which at this point is really the White Army, and they're they're struggling for control of the country, but they don't really have it. 
And that's when the Bolsheviks take power in Russia. And part of the Bolsheviks' policy, of course, was the recognition of the right of nations to self-determination. Well, at this point, the people in charge of Finland are saying, hey, we're a capitalist nation, uh, so you have to respect that. And Stalin wants to be like, bullshit, we're going in there and helping our Soviet allies. Uh, well, turns out the Bolsheviks overruled Stalin, and they're like, nope, we're just going to let Finland do its own thing. So Finland was like, yeah, let's do all power to the Soviets, and they're trying to help Russia out. But then when Russia, you know, when Finland workers are asking for help, Russia's like, nah, you're on your own. So Finland really got screwed, honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I, I didn't even conduct it, and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, they, they jumped their gun, they, they got repressed, and that allowed out the world cross the frog and eventually happened. Like, yeah, I, I, I know that the reason that uh, the, uh, the USSR needed a redefinition is because of pretty much of Sheva, and he told them, yeah. Uh, that's not happening, and the U.S. had to, you know, not do it because they, they didn't want to start war with Germany again, but, man, it already got out of all cover, like, they shot the gun by, like, how much, what is it, four months? Yeah, it didn't take that long, right? Yeah, they, they were just two, uh, four months to any man. Poor fuckers. Yeah, and that's that's the thing why the Bolsheviks were so hesitant to... That's why it was such a difficult decision to like wind up leading these people, uh, the these soldiers on their half-insurrection, because they know from studies of history that if you try to over overplay your hand, basically then you can ruin the whole moment. Like, it's it's all a matter of timing. Uh, it's kind of important. And in October, we'll see how much, like, how much hand-wringing the Bolsheviks get into, where they're like, do we do it now? Do we do it now? If we wait, we're too late. If we go to, we need to do it, are we already too late? Like, they're kind of freaking out. Like, it, it just a few weeks makes a difference. In this case, just a few months. Like, it's it's really not that long, and it can, like, change the entire trajectory of how, uh, you know, the history goes, basically. So it's it's important to know uh, when and what the balance of forces are and when to actually play your cards on the table, basically. Yeah, very much. Very much. But, uh, but the Bolsheviks did correctly recognize that you can't out-strategize, like, abandoning the class. Like, no amount of strategy can, can justify that. If the working class is going with or without you, then it should be going with you. Because if you just leave them without you, then you've, I mean, you've abandoned the class. So then you're not even part of the movement anymore, basically. You've just said, I'm not playing the game anymore. You, you have to play the game. You have to go with the class. If they're going to make a mistake, then you have to be there with them when they make the mistake. So that you can explain and educate the class why it was a mistake because they may take the wrong lesson. They may just be like, oh, well, maybe revolutions don't work. Maybe we're just going to lose. Maybe we're bound to fail. Where the Bolsheviks can say, we just need to wait until we win the, the provinces, all of the fronts, all of the soldiers, all of, you know, we just, we just had the timing wrong. It's not that we're wrong in our whole movement. It's just that we weren't doing it at the right time. We need to prepare a little more. 
Yeah, yeah, like, uh, the, basically, to do an, an analogy, the, the Bolsheviks were, they going to invent it all of that, act on the Shulaiders, but they knew that they, they had to chip in, in at that point, they wanted to keep playing. Yeah, so, but yeah, very, very important, uh, couple like a period in the russian revolution because this is somewhere where had the bolsheviks said fuck it we're gonna give it a try and we're just gonna take over they could have like ruined 1917 right here you know this is the point if they would have just decided you know what we're, we're gonna be the power now we're gonna make new soviets uh with us in charge because uh, that's actually what our next couple of chapters are about is why didn't the bolsheviks just do that you know because they probably could have. Uh, why didn't they? Uh, you know, they, they really could have screwed themselves over. <laughs> like, uh, look, asking ourselves what if and all of that, I think that was, uh, uh, you know, something that we're never going to know for sure what would have uh, happened if they uh, went for broke, but, you know, it, it, it really wasn't very. Made it out of, like, like, like I said before, it was basically made it, it out of that single and over and very, very that it just came above. Like, it, maybe, ha- maybe they had a decent 2% chance of actually succeeding. And personally, I can't really blame them for not taking the 2% chance. Yeah, not very good odds, eh? Not very good odds. I do think that about covers it for the July days, though. It looks like we can just do two more chapters next week, same as always. They're they're about the same length. I I, I respect that about Trotsky, is that his chapters are pretty consistent in length. There are some authors, especially academic ones, will read some of their stuff. Yeah, and you get a chapter like chapter 25 of volume one of capital that is like one third of the whole book and it's like come on dude this could have been like four chapters what are you doing yeah yeah uh then you get like well I, we don't remember the chapter because you know the, but i'm pretty sure that there was as one chapter in volume two or maybe it was in volume one of capital that literally or uh, the maxis dot of a com page and on television. If you look at it with that regular one hundred percent zoom on a desktop, it literally shows the the screen. Literally, literally, it at the screen. Something that takes like three minutes to read. And you also have chapter twenty-five of the same book that, like you said, it's like a word to after work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I respect Trotsky's consistent chapter size. He he gets a plus one for that, absolutely. Makes it I agree. Structure book groups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of him. See? This is another example of Trotsky trying to take the high road. He's trying to think, okay, what we make this is easier for a group book in a hundred years to read into one of this. And to make the chapters consistent. So if he would, uh, no, we're not doing this. All right, cool. Two chapters next week. No, 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 no. Go, go with the beat. Don't, 
Don't back that. Say what you were about to say. I don't know. Just so, like, if he had been better or whatever, would he have? Because honestly, I feel like the um the two chapters we read right now, if they were written without the consideration of chapter links, this would have been one chapter because it's basically you could title this chapter "The July Days," and it could be both of these chapters in one chapter. You know? Yeah. True. But Jokey did it to be consistent. Just like he did it to take it, take a road, just like he did it to uh, uh, say, yeah, we should not go to declare a diabetes or a certain with the servants, I should already decide. Jokey just had to do this his way, and he ended up losing for it. Pretty much. Uh, well, speaking of losing, tomorrow we have to uh, take another L by reading the other, you know. At least it's on expanded reproduction, right? We've gotten out of simple reproduction, so that's, that's <laughs> good. But that's not cope. That's not cope. Look, let me cope, okay? Okay. See you tomorrow, man. Word. Take care. Take care.